I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief of Business in Vancouver. On behalf of BIV, welcome to this special series of three podcasts on Indigenous business issues. The series is brought to you by Fortis BC, Energy at Work, and by TELUS, the first Canadian technology firm to launch an Indigenous reconciliation plan, available at telus.com slash reconciliation. The host of this series, I'm really pleased to see her again, is Chastity Davis-Alphonse of the Shokotan Nation. Enjoy the conversation. Good afternoon, Chief Marilyn Slett. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today um, to be a part of our special podcast series that we're launching this week um, in partnership with the second publication of the Indigenous Business Magazine with Business in Vancouver, Makuk P. Silem. We hope that you're able to join us um, and share your views in a column in one of the 2022 editions. Looking forward to hearing from you and all the wonderful things that you're leading uh, for the Heltzik Nation and the Coastal First Nations. So today we are welcoming Chief Marilyn Slett, who is a citizen of the Heltzik Nation and the elected Chief Council Councillor of the Heltzik Tribal Council, and she's currently serving her fourth consecutive term as Chief Counselor. Congratulations. And her term started in 2008. So she's been leading, fearlessly leading her nation um, for close to 14 years now uh, and uh, doing a lot of exciting things in the Heltzik Nation with reclaiming um, Heltzik territory, uh, starting economic development opportunities, um, and really looking at weaving in Heltzik traditional knowledge and culture and language and values into this modern day world uh, that we're all living in. And Chief Marilyn is also the president of the Coastal First Nations. So looking forward to having a discussion with you today, Marilyn, about all the exciting things you're leading. So welcome. Axica, I'm really pleased to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you for making the time. So really um, just excited to have the opportunity to learn a little bit more about uh, your leadership journey um, and what brought you to being an elected leader um, and leading your nation. So if you just wanna share with us a little bit about what inspired you to um, run for chief counselor all those years ago. Sure. Uh, well, I was the former executive director for, for our tribal council. And before that, I, I served a couple of terms, consecutive terms as a counselor. And I just really wanted to be able to contribute uh, to, to the nation in, in that level and put my name forward. It was um, it's a scary thing to do, you know, putting yourself out there like that. But you know, I, I just so blessed to be able to do the work that I'm doing and, and, you know, our community is so strong in everything that we do. So I'm just, yeah, I'm happy to, to be able to do the work. It's, you know, challenging and difficult and sometimes, you know, you know, we um, get to the point of, you know, what is going on? How how do we move forward in in these really challenging times that we're in? You know, leading through a pandemic is something that I never ever thought you know that we would be doing, and and that threw you know so many of our communities into you know um, 
you know, this different level of protection that we've never really had to do before. So, yeah, it's just been, you know, a multitude of different uh, things that I've, you know, been able to, you know, help lead our community through. Yeah, yeah, it has definitely been challenging times. Mm -hmm. um, and the pandemic has uh, definitely brought different challenges uh, to the forefront for mm -hmm. um, our communities. Um, how would you say your community do, is uh, navigating COVID-19 um, today? And, and what have been some of the uh, you know, what have been some of the opportunities um, that you have seen as a leader to uh, really keep your people safe and mm -hmm. healthy through this time? Well, we definitely went through this real protection mode early on in the pandemic where we shut our community down, just in terms of, you know, really limiting the, the traffic in and out. So we wanted to make sure that people were able to remain safe in, in our bubble here as, as a community. So we were very fortunate not to have, you know, the, the outbreaks that we, you know, observed and witnessed in other communities, you know, surrounding us and, and across, you know, around the globe. Um, you know, so that in itself was, was really good. Um, we, uh, really did a lot of information campaigns throughout the community. Uh, one was, you know, certainly on on the vaccine. We called on, you know, our our sick nurses and doctors and and health professionals to do a lot of uh, information sessions with our community, and we ended up having a ninety six percent vaccination rate in our community, which was amazing. Yeah, which really adds that you know layer, good layer of protection for our community. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. wonderful yeah. uh, to hear that you've had that uptake um, mm -hmm. in the community to be able to ensure the health and wellness and, and be able to navigate through these uncertain times. Mm -hmm. um, during this pandemic, though, you've still been uh, leading the way with economic development opportunities in your community. So uh, just showing the strength and resiliency of yourself and the nation to be able to still uh, be accomplishing some pretty historic um, uh, pieces of um, economic development that will contribute to your community. Did you wanna just share with us about the Shearwater um, uh, deal and what that means yeah. to help sick people? So that was something that came up. Um, we've always had, you know, an interest in, in Shearwater. And it was a family-owned business, you know, for a good 75 years. And, um, you know, but we knew that, you know, that was something that, you know, we, um, you know, people had always said this should be, should belong to us, right? So, you know, it's always been there as something, you know, in, in terms of a priority. We are in the reconciliation process with PC in Canada, and uh, we call it Hilsistut, and it's a potlatch term, and it's, it's, um, translates to to turn something around and make it right again. Um, we went to our language uh, leaders in the community, and knowledge holders and they said we don't have a word for reconciliation in our language but this is you know um, something that you know they had proposed and, and said that this was you know fitting because we knew that we didn't do anything wrong in this relationship but there was a whole lot that needed to be turned around and made right again so it's a it's a nation-led process 
Um, and through that, we have house posts. And our house posts are priorities that were put forward from the community. They included building the big house, which we did a few years ago, and economic development, uh, housing, language. Um, you know, we knew that language needed to be a priority. Um, I think one of the things before I get into the Shearwater, just around language, there was a young, um, we had a young delegation of young women uh, talking to Minister Mark when he was here in the summer. And they were talking about uh, genocide and, and you know, the um, discoveries of the children, you know, in the unmarked graves. And they were talking about our language and they just said that, you know, they're um, like they're, they're singers. They, you know, this group of young ladies and they said, you know, they're honoring our ancestors because um, how will they know who we are if we don't know our language? And, you know, this came from a really young girl. She was maybe 13 years old, um, the youngest from that delegation that, were, that was speaking to, to the minister. And I'm blown away by, you know, the strength and the identity and the, you know, that they have as young women in, in the community, really grounded in who they are. And, you know, I'm, I know that we're in good hands going forward. So those are some of our house posts. One is economic development. And, um, you know, a major priority in that was tourism. Uh, we know that tourism is, a, you know, one of the main economic drivers of, of British Columbia, and we've never uh, been fully in, in tourism. And uh, despite where we are, we're in a beautiful, you know, health sick territory. And uh, Shearwater um, became, you know, the owner was getting ready to retire. And we had a, a protocol with him with a first right of refusal. And uh, we closed that deal in about four weeks, which was amazing. Um, and, you know, we took ownership on July 1st. Uh, formerly known as Canada Day for us, we reconstituted that as Hillsip Day here in, in the community, another initiative brought forward by our youth. And um, yesterday, uh, just to give you a bit of context, we had a uh, presentation from our chief operating officer, who is also a Hillsip member. And uh, we've employed over 40 people from our community um, at Shearwater. You know, of course, the summer is the high season and we're going into the shoulder, but we're really working hard to, to maintain and, and keep, you know, our, our staff on, you know, during the shoulder season and, and just be more accessible to our community and, and you know, and, and celebrate, you know, this land back, you know, with, um, with Shearwater. Well, congratulations on uh, bringing Shearwater back to the community and on the agreement uh, with the house posts and the opening of the big house, I know was a huge accomplishment uh, for, for the community as well. Um, and so you, you talk about land back when mm -hmm. you uh, talk about Shearwater. Can you tell us about um, uh, what, Shearwater was to the health sick people before it was Shearwater and why it's important to have that land back. 
Definitely. I know, you know, talking with our, our Kimas and, and to, you know, our elders, all of our territory is, is really important to us. Uh, it is a, a village site. You know, it is a really important uh, area to our, to our people. It's right across the channel from us, from Bella Bella. So it's close in proximity. And, you know, we have, you know, a deep history there um, as well. And when we were talking about um, the purchase, when we brought it to joint leadership, because our elected council works really closely uh, in parallel to, to our HEMAs, to our traditional chiefs. So it was a joint leadership, you know, decision to move forward. And when we brought it forward and we're talking, we were talking obviously about the resort and all of the assets that go with it, but, you know, a major part of, you know, uh, closing that was the land, you know, we need to get that land, you know, we, you know, we need to be able to, to do that, you know, we can't, you know, miss this opportunity, it might be another 75 years before, you know, um, you know, there's another opportunity. So that was um, a major um, consideration in purchasing Shearwater, along with the, you know, socio and economic um, values that are brought to the community. Yeah, it, it's exciting to bring that back to the community and to have to reclaim your village sites mm -hmm. and to repurpose them um, in this time and space. Um, so congratulations again. I know that was a big announcement. You also talk about how your governance, it, uh, your elected leadership work closely with your traditional um, mm -hmm leaders can you talk talk a little bit about that and share a little bit more about that with us yeah, here definitely so back in 2002 we signed a uh, we being the, the tribal council signed a letter of understanding with our with our hemas um our traditional chiefs to work to work together i mean we know that you know our elected body is you know um you know, imposed by the colonial government and, you know, our, our powers are, you know, through that, you know, um, legislation of the Indian Act that, you know, has really been, you know, to suppress, you know, our, our people and oppress our people. So, you know, and, and our, our traditional governance is, you know, our governance that has sustained us since, you know, time immemorial. So, you know, we all, you know, you know, support that and, and know that, you know, our, it's our HEMAs that, you know, are the, you know, traditional governors of our, our nation. And we knew that if we wanted to work and be strong and, and you know, do things uh, in unity and, you know, um, in a really good way that we had to, you know, do that. And it's been, um, you know, I think, something that's made our community so uh, strong in what we do we have you know clear mandates when we're working with our HEMAs you know and you know we meet on a regular basis from everything from you know our Hill C Street process to um, you know other you know business dealings to COVID providing you know um, guidance on that you know so you know the the relationship is fulsome you know, and meaningful and uh, collaborative. Yeah, thank you for sharing mm -hmm. that. I think that it's special that you've been able to um, 
sort of blend or weave in uh, mm-hmm. the traditional governance with the elected governance and, and really talk about the importance of that relationship in the health and wellness and prosperity of the nation moving forward. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. I am interested, uh, you did also talk about the youth that you have many mm-hmm. of the youth mm-hmm. in the community involved in language initiatives and um, and all of that. Can, can you speak to the importance of that and maybe some other initiatives that the youth are leading in the community? Definitely. Well, we have um, a rediscovery camp here that's been in operation for for a number of years, Quay Quay Camp, and you know it's really helped to uh, support and give you know a lot of um, you know support to our young people that have gone out there and literally spent you know the summer out there uh, camping and you know. Um, stream walking and and singing and you know um, holding um, you know pot matches out there to close the summer you know so these things have really helped to ground and support our, our young people in a way that you know they they know who they are they know their identity they you know are, they're learning their languages they're strong um, advocates for justice you know and when they see things happening um, around you know, the country, you know, like the um, un- unmarked graves, you know, they, um, you know, they stood up, you know, they, they actually went to the RCMP station here in, um, on Canada Day, Helsinki Day, and, you know, said to, to them that, you know, this flag needs to be, um, uh, I know that they were going to, they lowered the flag, but they, they wanted it down for, you know, a 24 hour period. And it's, it's quite a big thing for Canada to lower a flag uh, in their own, you know, colonial laws. And they ended up having to talk to, you know, a number of people and, and uh, it, it ended up being a real important, you know, it was a really important issue to our youth. They were like, this flag represents, um, you know, the genocide, you know, in, in this country. It's, it's our blood on that flag. So that flag is still down, you know, here in this community. And, you know, we talked to the RCMP and we told them that, you know, we're supporting our youth 100%. And, you know, when we're ready for the flag to go back up, you know, it will go back up but right now. Our, it's the only flag in our community is our Helsinki flag. And that was brought by our youth. That's amazing yeah. um, to hear that they are plugged into what's happening mm-hmm. in the larger community and movement and making change at home as well um, yeah. in a way that's meaningful. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that as well. Um, just super inspired by all the things that you're doing. You're also the president of the Coastal First Nations. So do you, could you share with us some of the important initiatives that uh, the Coastal First Nations are, are leading? Definitely. So Coastal First Nations is an organization that's been uh, in operations for about 21 years. And it's, um, you know, uh, an alliance of coastal nations so there's uh, Quam 2, Bella Bella, New Hulk, uh, Hartley Bay, uh, Haida, um, Laxalans. So we all work together. Um, 
And it's funny because we say we've been together for 21 years, but, you know, our relationships, you know, are, are deeply rooted between our communities, you know, through marriage and, and you know, other, uh, you know, customary, you know, things that bind our communities together. So, uh, but the, the, the work that we do um, here is, you know, we really focus on, on uh, agreements, you know, in terms of uh, land use and marine use. And, you know, most recently um, a fisheries reconciliation agreement. Um, we've also been doing some ocean protections work together. So it's been um, a really uh, strong relationship. We knew that to do and make some uh, meaningful policy changes within government, that working as a collective uh, brings much more strength from working as just one individual nation. So it's really enabled us to do a lot of protection, you know, in our you know, within our um, forests, within, you know, the sea, and, and making those, um, uh, you know, planning um, documents, you know, that will help us to sustain what we have for, you know, going into the future for future generations. That has been really the, the you know, the fabric that has, you know, kept us together, knowing that what we're doing is making uh, meaningful impacts for, you know, generations to follow. Mm -hmm. Such important work to, and to stand together is really powerful. Yeah. You, you talked about the fisheries reconciliation agreement, and I know that the health sick have also been leading um, in the fisheries uh, work for a while. Do you mm -hmm. want to just share a little bit about maybe some of the health sick work and how that may tie into the fisheries reconciliation uh, agreement with Coastal First Nations? Definitely. So, you know, the, uh, the fisheries reconciliation agreement is, um, you know, provides access to, you know, resources to be able to, um, you know, gain access in, into a lot of fisheries that, you know, haven't been, you know, available to us in, in a meaningful way and provides for some investment into our communities, uh, uh, some investment support to, to fishermen to uh, help them with, you know, gear and access to licenses. And, and also, you know, on top of that, so there's the economic piece that is really great, but there's also, um, you know, some management you know, and, and how we manage the fisheries because for so long it's been, you know, people back in Ottawa, they have no ties to our communities making decisions on, on resources. And it's our communities that know, you know, the state of our resources. So the management uh, is, is a key piece, you know, moving forward. And, and that is something that has been really uh, spectacular coming out of this agreement. Yes, I think really important to have um, and the Indigenous communities making decisions in their own communities that uh, um, that they've been making for thousands of years and that they've been able to sustain their resources and their lands for thousands of years and be able to make those decisions um, and have them honored and recognized and acknowledged. And that's really the work that you've been leading for the HealthSick community. Um, and, uh, and you've been leading for, as we mentioned at the beginning for 14 years, um, just 
to wrap up our our conversation, even though I'd love to hear way more. Um, but to wrap up our conversation today, Marilyn, uh, you know, what's your vision moving forward um, for your community, whether it relates to economic development or health and wellness or culture? Um, just curious on on uh, what your vision is for the health mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's similar to, you know, to so many HealthSick, but to be a strong and thriving community that is grounded in our culture uh, with healthy um, families that, you know, we're thriving, uh, not just surviving, because it's been that mode for so many years. You know, we we deserve, you know, lives that are free of, you know, this hurt, you know, that we've been carrying for so long. You know, so, you know, we deserve, you know, young people that are born into, you know, our world as health sick, strong, you know, and nothing that's going to hold them back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a beautiful vision. And uh, you're working towards that in, in many different aspects to, uh, to bring that vision into reality. So thank you so much, Chief Marilyn, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us here today on the podcast series that's celebrating the second publication of our Indigenous business magazine, Makuk P. Salem. And uh, we look forward to continuing the conversation with you uh, through the magazine and hopefully in future podcasts. So thank you again and wishing you all the best on your journey. Thank you.